History with Richard Offen. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, Richard Offen back to the studio. Hello, Richard. Hello, Joe. Before we get underway, uh, we have this um, text message which says, Hi, Joe. I love listening to Richard Offen, but couldn't tune in last when he was talking about Mary Rain. I know a bit about her, but I'm keen to learn more. Is there a chance of getting a recording of that program from two weeks ago? Thanks, says Linnell. Well, Linnell, the lucky news is we podcast Rich's segment each fortnight. So all you need to do is click the audio tab and head to afternoons on 6pr.com.au and you will be able to find it. Well, I didn't even know I was podcasted. Oh, yes. Yes, we we podcast every segment that you do because they're so interesting. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about Peter Albany Bell. Albany Bell, yes. And his castle-like home. Well, yes, if anybody has travelled from East Perth on Guildford Road into Maylands, they will have probably noticed on on the right-hand side a castle-like building. Mm, Another one. And wondered, what's that all about? Why was that built like that? Listen on, because it's all about this chap, Peter Albany Bell, usually, in when he was alive, referred to as Mr Albany Bell. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. Now, he was born in 1871 in South Australia and apparently had very little formal education before he arrived with his widowed mother in Western Australia in 1887. So he was about... Still a teenager. Yeah, Mm. teenager. And for six years, he was in turn, and wait for it, a draper's delivery boy, an, in, an inland stockman and a shop assistant. So We well, had a work know. ethic then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he seemed to chop and change a bit. I think he wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. But by 1894, he had decided and he opened a small shop in Hay Street, making and selling confectionery and lemon squash, which oh. was the in thing in those days. And the business went really well because, of course, it was the gold boom time. So there was this huge influx of population and he capitalised on it. And he, Four years later, in 1898, he made a trip to Europe to learn what he could about the trade of confectionery and the like. Uh, He primarily went to Britain. Yep. And he went and looked at the famous Cadbury factory at Bourneville. Which is still famous. Which is still famous. It still makes the chocolate there. And, of course, there's there's a, a Cadbury village, which the Cadbury's built. They were Quakers, and they built these residences and they're beautiful little houses for all of their workers. Now, Albany Bell made a side trip to New York whilst he was in that part of the world. Today, you'd hop on a plane and five hours later, you'd be in New York. It would have been a, nah, it would have been probably getting on for a fortnight on a steamer across, Mm. but he made it. And as a result of that trip, he came back here and he introduced something that is, standard fare these days to Australia and that was the milkshake to Australia not just yeah, to WA not just to WA but wow. to milkshake uh, they had started apparently in the 1890s or perhaps a bit before in America mixing vanilla either vanilla essence or vanilla pods with milk giving it a good shake so that it got the the, the vanilla flavor and then of course 
Adding basically. sugar and... Uh, that, uh, yes, yes, plenty of that to, to make you fat. Oh, no, we're not allowed to say that these days, are we? Um, <laughs> whoops. Uh, um, um, you to know, make you cuddly. Stro- yeah, make you cuddly, yes. Um, and then they started adding strawberry essence and, and, and other things. Wow. And um, he introduced them in his little High Street shop. And, of course, they took off like a rocket. I bet they did. Um, And he presumably used ice to cool them. So in our summers, they would be very popular indeed. And after Federation in 1901, the competition from the eastern states led him to begin to manufacture his own cakes and pastries as well. Wow. And uh, in 1911, Bell's one shop expanded and developed into an established tea room business and he gradually um, acquired more shops not only in Perth and the suburbs but further afield. And and was he, did he actually bake the goods himself or did he hire chefs? Did he hire pastry chefs? I think probably initially he was doing all the baking himself. Wow, amazing. But what he did in uh, 1911 uh, was he bought the former Pineapple Estate which Mm. is where the castle is today and and it was quite a large estate a lot of it was market gardens the the land ran down from Guildford Road all the way to the river, to the river. yeah so where the hospital is now and, and and another number of others and he decided to build in the f- factory garden concept which was the Cadbury concept ah, of it so that being he was a garden city that. that's right so lots of nice surroundings a, a, a really fancy uh, a factory and part of the gardens down near the swan where of course all of the fertile land was was already chinese market gardens so yep. you know the garden concept was easy and he built himself a large brick and tile house with verandas and and towers for his family he got nine children by then my you know. goodness well you've got to remember there was no television in those days he was a so. very busy boy wasn't oh he, he? was he certainly <laughs> was and the property cut co- covered 19 acres so it big. was a, it was a big property even at those so days. he was doing very well for himself yes he was and um the site was also uh, supposedly and i've never actually checked this out the first staging in for coaches and horses going from Perth to Guildford. And I think it could well probably be that. Wow. And Dr. Batty's Cyclopedia of Western Australia, which was written in the early 20th century, says Mr. Bell has purchased 19 acres of land forming an ideal spot for a factory for the manufacture and handling of foodstuffs and confectionery. The abundant water supply is one of the chief advantages of this site. 100,000 gallons of water per day being available from natural springs on the property. So he wasn't withdrawing it from the river. Yeah, um, and that's probably why the, the market gardens were there. And um, so he learnt from the Cabris, and not only did he build a very fine factory, but he built houses for all of his principal workers. And actually, some of them still exist. A, a, a friend of mine, yeah, friend of mine lived in, in one of them. By modern standards, we probably considered them quite pokey. But They're like by little the, workmen's cottages. That's sort right, of thing. yes. Yeah. But, but well built and. and well kitted out so yeah. they were they were uh, certainly ahead of their time 
in um, in Perth and Western Australia. And um, Albany Bell Castle, the big factory, which yep. is the castle we see today, which is now apartments, was um, designed by a local architect, uh, Alexander Cameron. Um, and um, he did a lot of work in Perth in at Perth, that time. Yeah, he did. It was built in two stages. The first stage was the two wing buildings that mm. you see today, which were completed just at the beginning of the First World War. Um, and the north wing was was um, a single story. That was the bakehouse with an oven and fireboxes and a cellar underneath to keep things. And the south wing, which was double story, um, housed freezer rooms, which were quite unusual at, at, at that wow. time. I think that, probably that, some of the first in in Western how, Australia. How, so he had electricity, or uh, he probably had could have had electricity otherwise it, it just would have been gas or, yeah. or something like that to run the engines that uh, produce the cooling because freezing wouldn't have been very common at that no, stage no it? it was beginning to get more common at about that time there were people who were delivering ice to lots of places mm. all, all of the the um, shops and, and some houses would have a delivery of ice each day, which they'd put in a Kalgoorlie safe yeah. or something like that to keep it. Um, and um, the central block con- contained a basement when it was built in 1919, which had special cavity walls for keeping the place at an even temperature for dipping chocolates. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't yeah, it? Because you don't you have want to, it hot. Well, and it must be hard to make chocolate in you know pre refrigeration era exactly. in Western Australia. Yes, yes, especially in summer. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And now we we need to take a short break, and we'll Lovely. come back and finish his story. Now, just a just a reminder that if you have any questions for Richard, or if you have a suggestion. Uh, for something you'd like us to talk about, feel free to give us a call, one double three eight eighty two, or you can send us a text on 0487-999-882. We're coming back with more on the story of Peter Albany Bell after this. Afternoons on 6PR. Thanks to Latrobe Financial. Make your money work harder. 11 minutes to one. Uh, I'm with Richard Offen. Um, Richard, Deb has sent us a text to say, Hi, Joe. My friends live in Bedford, England, where they had given to them a Cadbury home for life as the husband worked for the company. He's died, but his wife is 90. When she passes away, the home is returned to the Cadbury group. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And this is exactly what Albany Bell well, based well, his... On in, yeah. in this place. Mm. I don't think there are any of the workers left who because the company folded, um, if I remember, in the 1940s. Right. But, uh, you know, that was the same principle. And the factory was built a bit like the uh, Cadbury one in Birmingham, but also after one that uh, Bell had seen in San Francisco. And it supplied cakes, pastries, chocolates, and probably the constituents for the milkshakes, to the shops that he had set up in Perth and Fremantle, Kalgoorlie, Coolgardie, various wow. other places. And he invo- em- employed 400 workers. My goodness. Um, so it, it was a big concern. This was by the, the 1920s. And he was a very forward thinking. He was a very good boss. Because well, A, he's built them homes to live in. Exactly. And on top of that... He gave them all two weeks of annual leave um, and they got pay awards every year. And in addition, 
Kalgoorlie employees receive rail expenses for tea, two weeks board at a seaside resort. Wow. Like, now, nobody paid like for Cotters holidays like. back in those no, days, did absolutely. they? So they were getting full paid. They must yeah. have loved him. Yes. And in Perth, the workers receive fares of an allowance covering up to 150 miles distance from the capital. So you could get down to Margaret River on the train or something like that. Wow. And, he, you know, so he was very, very good to his, his people. And of course, as a result, they stayed and they worked hard for him. I wonder if it was because he'd had so many different jobs when he was a youngster and that it made him see that I some employers... I think that's right. I think he had vision mm. and he realised that he probably worked for some not very pleasant employers mm. who were pretty tough and he decided not to do it. And, of course, he'd seen how the Cadbury's looked after their staff so very well. And it paid well. off for them. Because and it paid off for yeah. them again. You know, it's like long service leave. Nobody wants to leave when they're coming up to the Correct. near long service leave. Um, so for 30 years, Albany Bell's tea rooms were extremely popular in, in WA. Um, however, in, in 1925, as chairman of the Master Caterers Association, Albany Bell was... a involved in a labour dispute, which I don't think he enjoyed very much. Um, it was a disruptive strike by militant hotel and restaurant employees, and it lasted for more than four weeks here in, in WA. Wow. Um, and um, after that, Albany Bell sold his interests in the it, He in must the have been upset business. by that because he'd obviously treated his workers well. Yeah, and, and so others weren't. And, and, and it went against his grain. Yeah, it really did. And uh, several successive owners took over the the castle and, and it was uh, leased it for mac macaroni making in the 1930s. Oh, really? There was a raincoat manufacturer in there. And then in 1937, the land of the whole estate was subdivided into two lots. Mm. Um, and as a result of losing the family assets, Peter Bell's son started a new operation, which some people might remember out that way. And that was a chicken hatchery. Oh. And so he he set up, and there's a, a bit of a building left next to the Albany Bell Castle, a sort of front wall. And that was the main chicken hatchery right up until, I think, the 1970s. Um, and uh, eventually Bell bought a 1,700-egg incubator. Can you imagine that? Wow. Um, it, it was um it was thought not to succeed all that well as a uh, as a hatchery but it, it, but it carried did. on yeah yeah and uh, after world war 2 um what during world war 2 the albany bell castle was um set aside for wa newspapers in case st george's terrace got bombed and they got bombed out because it would be important to keep the, to keep the newspaper yeah yeah wow. and several editions of the daily news were printed out of the albany bell castle and it continued in various forms up until the i think it was either the eight, uh, 1990s or or early 2000s that it was turned into very nice apartments we need to go to um athen um hello athen you we've got a Question, we need to be quick. Hello, Joe and Richard. Yeah, I'll Hello. be quick. Um, you were talking about the chocolate refrigeration, how the man was ahead of his time and so on. Yeah. And it reminded me back in the day when I was a young boy in the 70s, we used to ride our push bikes into the city and 
the highlight was actually going to the Perth, Perth Ice Factory and watching them make ice the old-fashioned way. Ah, yes, that um, was in Northbridge, wasn't it, I think? No, no, on well, Murray Street. Oh, was it on Murray Street? Perth, just near right. Parliament House. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and it was, well, before freezers and everybody had fridges, it was a vital part of Perth's industry, I would think. Yeah, amazing. Uh, thanks for your call, Ethan. And also, um, uh, Chris wants to know, was he connected to Bell's Emporium in Kew in Western Australia? Not as f- far as I know, but it might be one of his one sons, of his sons one, of, one of the nine, nine children. Nine children, yes. so it could have been yeah. any of them. Yeah. Look, as always, absolutely uh, fascinating. I love that. I mean, I've always wondered about that building, yeah. and I've never yes. I've never known. I've just no. sort of driven past it and gone, oh, that's a beautiful old building. It's a, a quite an important part of our history. And I love, the, uh, I love his uh, attitude to workers. Yeah. That's awesome. He was a good man, yeah, no doubt like about it. it. Richard, look forward to seeing you in a fortnight. A pleasure. And Thank just you. A, and just a reminder to all our listeners, yes, you can listen to Richard's chats on our 6PR website. You just have to tick, click on the audio tab.